return to the Talk and Bowl podcast, a weekly history thing. I would be Spencer, and over there is my co-host Nathan. Is this in media res? Are we return? What what happened? I'm confused. Uh-huh. We just came back from a commercial break. Did you? What oh, what, what, oh, what happened oh, to God. you? I've been locked in this closet since the last time we recorded, and it's been a couple months. So honestly, I was I'm just happy that there's someone to talk to. the The walls were closing in on me. Nathan, today actually, I'd like to talk to you about the year 1693. I don't like that immediately. Nothing good happened in the 1600s. Period. This is towards the end. I get it. But nothing good happened in the 1600s. Well, what's your favorite century that we've discussed on this show? The 20th century. Yeah. 1900s yeah. produced a lot of good ones. I'm, I'm just saying. I can name a couple bangers. Yeah, fair enough. Well, in 1693, Messenger Monzi was born in Norfolk in England. Messenger Monzi. Uh-oh. What? I knew that name one more time for, like, the, the yeah, historical no, well, record. Yeah, rule of threes. Messenger Monzi. That's not a name. I know, right? It's not. And I want it to be, and I know that you want it to be, and I'm sure that his parents wanted it to be, but it's not. It's not, and I, well, I won't I won't lie to myself any longer. I, I, well, which is exactly what somebody should have said to his father, Reverend Robert Monzi. Robert was a rector uh, in the town of Downham, uh, meaning that he was like an ecclesiastical authority in the Catholic Church. And like he's their rep for this region in England. Uh, and I know nothing about his mother because history. It's a history thing. Because <laughs> it's the 1600s and we didn't get to know about women in the 1600s. And this is also why I sub- you know, submit that it was a shit generation and we should just ignore it. Messenger would have been born five years after the English Revolution of 1688, wherein a Catholic monarch took over a largely Protestant country and a whole shitstorm unfurled. The Catholic got ousted. And the first parliament of William of Orange basically required practicing Catholic priests to convert to being Protestants. That's going to work, I'm sure. Good. Yeah. No way that ends poorly. <laughs> well, Daddy Robert Monzi uh, refused to take that oath. And so he lost his job as rector. Now, that's pretty much all he lost. He wasn't, you know, heads on pikes or anything like that. He wasn't arrested. He just can't be a priest anymore. Unfortunately, he had a very rich paternal estate to fall back on. So he more or less retired to a stack of money on which to raise his son, Messenger. I, I don't love that. I, I don't love that because it feels like he's a man with nothing to lose and a protege now. And that worries me because it's just what <laughs> what kind of thing are you going to uh, are you going to set up for me specifically? He indeed had very little to lose. And I love that the, the one of my key sources here is a book from uh, the mid 1700s. And it described that part of, of Robert refusing the oaths as like a valiant display of, of a man who sticks to his principles. And it's like, I, that is a very easy thing to do when you have a pile of Scrooge coins back home to go sit on, I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah, it, it's very easy to stick to one's morals when there's no material consequence for it. But Messenger's education would begin at home where his father gave him a good classical education. So he's homeschooled. All right, that's another check against him. This is going 1600 homeschooled. Yeah. This is not going well. Messenger would eventually move on to St. Mary Hall at Cambridge University, where he studied for five years before graduating. I don't know if that means that he took like a, a gap year or if he was a little slow or maybe college worked different back then. But I that sounds... Say, or may- Motherfucker, it took me five years. Sometimes you just got shit to do. I didn't want to. I'm glad you said it. And I didn't have to. For his postgraduate internship, he studied physic under Sir Benjamin Wrench in Norwich. Here's I've noticed something here because there's there's two possible options to this scenario, and both of them intrigue me in different ways. The first one, okay, is that either you or ye old timey writers were very <laughs> dumb and forgot that there's an S on the end of that word. Uh, <laughs> number two. Maybe they hadn't found any other physics except the one, and there wasn't plural yet. We just knew one (laughs) physics, and that's what happened, and that's it. Uh, And three, the base level (laughs) healing spell for the white mage, or for the uh, scholar in uh, in Final Fantasy fourteen, is called physic. And I I am concerned that they may have unlocked some uh, some some deep deep lore. Uh, that I didn't know about, and maybe we are about to time travel into a better timeline that I'll enjoy. Any of these are possible, Nathan. and, and as far as I know, I triple checked my source because I had to write physic in quotes here on my paper because it was that <laughs> dumb to me. Um, it's possible that the extra S key on the old uh, printing press might have just cost too much money. They knew that, what they know what the word was. They knew what we were getting at. 
Finally, he landed a spot as a physician at Bury St. Edmunds in Suffolk. So we have a doctor. We have a homeschooled. Now, granted, he went to a real college, but it took him longer than usual. He started homeschooled, though. Yeah, he learned like his, you know, his reading and writing and his math and all that. That's that's all founded on homeschool. Maybe that's why it took him five years, because he didn't have an actual education. He just had his dad yelling Bible hymns at him. Oh, maybe that's it. Now, these were not the happiest of young Monzi's years. He worked long hours, he traveled great distances, and made very little money in the process. I, I do love this doctor. I do love this doctor. Like, he wasn't very happy. Was he healing the sick? Who really gives a fuck? He wasn't getting paid that cheddar. <laughs> well, I think you're going to find that that the love of the game isn't really what drives Dr. Messenger Monzi. What? What? The guy whose dad showed him that all you need to do is have a boatload of money and you can do fuck all whatever you want? It was the founding principle of his homeschooling was get, get that money, honey. Get, get rich or die trying. Like, that's just printed over the door on the way in. Pouring over his receipts at the end of a miserable year, he found that he had made roughly 300 pounds of income, compared to a colleague running a medicinal cart in London who made 20 times that. Okay, so what we need to say here is that you're just bad at this, Mr. Mister Messenger. You're, you're just not good at it. Like, homeboy's got a cart. What are you talking about? He ran a cart. That just That's just a... Are you saying he's just a street salesman just, like, selling you codeine on the side? That's just a drug dealer. You just described a drug dealer. Also, he appears to be operating out of a church right now, so your room and board must be paid for. What are your expenses you're losing out on? What's the overhead? Where are you... Where is the... Where is the gap here? This is like that meme where it's like line items of budget and then a silly line item i my family is starving help me and i i want to know what his silly line <laughs> item is what was his vice that he was wasting all this money on let's let's see if we can figure it out here monzi began to wonder if he had perhaps chosen the wrong profession oh yeah this doctor in business ain't good i was told i would make me i was told i'd have a horse cart in london money and all i'm here with is can't buy potatoes and mash i don't fucking know why what what is even what's the point of having money in 1600s england i've got a list nathan of what he's got here oh Quote, god with with a rusty wig dirty boots and leather breeches stop stop no don't yeah. finish that okay. sentence. Stop. you said rusty wig what the actual yeah. fuck is that wig made out of that it is rusting what it's materials are in the wig He's got a steel wool wig. That's durable, Nathan. That'll last. What, does, does he double as a Brillo pad on the weekends to make some extra cash since he doesn't know how to budget, apparently? It's got that uh, metallic density that also serves as a helmet, too, if he's if he's to be struck and robbed for his 300 Rusty. pounds. Wait, also, take care of your wig better, dude. If I've got a wig that could rust, <laughs> I'd be taking some preventative maintenance. Get a shower cap. With what money, Fact, Nathan? You know, is he going to... It's, the, it's what they say about, you know, like, the, po the poor man has to buy the shitty boots and say he's got to keep buying the shitty boots because it's all he can afford. That's what's happening with his wigs. He can only afford the shitty bottom shelf wigs. I just find it hard to believe that it is cheaper to make a wig out of something that rusts than it is to make it out of, <laughs> I don't know, hair. Rust Rusty has to be some kind of, I don't know, euphemism for dirty like, I mean, maybe, but got... it has a very specific purpose. Words have it's meaning, true. people. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Too flowery with this language here. Well, so rusty wig, dirty boots, leather breeches. Um, I guess leather breeches are a bad thing to have. Maybe you should be having wool I breeches. That just sounds like a Diablo I... 4 loadout. I don't know what the problem is here. <laughs> rusty greaves. Speckled that is something Baldwin's. I love. Uh, a thing I love, uh, topical reference that will not be topical because we're not releasing these in any sort of timely fashion so no that game will be gone by the time i say this but it is very funny that uh in the name nomenclature for for picking up items in diablo a game that just incentivizes you to want new shiny things they just have item names like pants when they fall on the ground and so i have to exclaim out loud "Ooh, i got some legendary pants and someone goes oh what are they i don't i don't know it just says pants I feel like they could have used a little more. I feel like there's a happy middle ground between the flowery right. language of a rusty wig and pants. And I just want to find it. <laughs> Quote, he might here have degenerated into the humdrum country doctor. How dare <laughs> the, the ignominy of just helping people. Motherfucker, can you imagine? His merits might have been confined to a provincial newspaper and his fame to a country churchyard. But then 
he got a rather unexpected patient. <laughs> oh, Monty God. was, at this point, positioned in a pretty rural space in Suffolk. So it, it just happened that passing through the town was a nobleman named Lord Godolphin, son of <laughs> Queen Anne's Lord Treasurer. Okay, oh, okay. That All right, I thought that was... Okay, so we've got Queen Anne. We've got the guy keeping the books for the queen, and then we've got the guy keeping the books for the queen's son, and he's yeah. rolled into <laughs> Suffolk with a case of appendicitis, I assume, that the good doctor's going to take care of? Well, yes, Lord Godolphin had fallen ill on the journey to Newmarket, and Monzi happened to be the closest doctor. Summoned to his bedside at the sick room of St. Edmund's, Monzi saw a man up in his years and miserably depressed that this, of all places, should be where he dies. These two are made for each other. I don't want to keep being this old country doctor. I can't die in the woods. Fuck. I mean, it's a match made in heaven. Let's get it done. Also, up in his years, so this is an elderly person whose who's claim to fame is just being the son of the accountant for the queen. How old is the queen's accountant? Is he like, like, a, like a wizard at that point? What the fuck? Well, the Queen's accountant's probably dead by this point. I think this guy has, has, that was his starting claim to fame. I'm sure he has another political position at this point, but. Oh, good. So what we're saying is his dad may not have been alive at the time he rolled. He was just a lord because his dad was the accountant for the Queen. I fucking love, nepotism's great. Nepotism's fantastic. Exactly. The modern equivalent of this would be if, like, Janet Yellen's son was roaming through the countryside and was attended to by a lone TikTok country doctor. And I just don't think that that's enough of a status position to really deserve lordship. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> now, uh, none of my sources can say what Godolphin was dying of, but somehow... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Do you want to guess? So, do you want to guess? No, maybe? I don't want to guess at all. But I do find it very concerning that this is a story about a doctor going to cure a man and we don't know what the fuck he was sick with. <laughs> oh man, that is that's kind of the writing on the wall for this cock and bull. Yeah, um, I, say, I see a I see a problem developing, and I don't I don't know how he gets himself out of this one. Monzi somehow managed to intervene to incredible success, surprisingly. And surprising, I say, because Monzi was staunchly opposed to modern medicinal practices. There it is. I'm starting to think I know why Monzi's not making money, and it may not be just the, uh, the poor Rusty Wick spending habit. I'm thinking he may not be what you like to call a doctor. <laughs> more of a shaman, if you will. <laughs> more, now, of a, it, more of a healer of some sort. For sure, a healer. But not, not this a explain, doctor. This, this explains him studying physics, actually, now that you I was it. about to say, it, I, I, in, in Final Fantasy XIV, the scholar is not really a doctor, per se. More of a battle scot more of a battle nerd that throws books at people and that seems like something monzi could handle based on my experience with him so far so i'm starting to think that my initial supposition may not have been too far off in fact he believed in the good old methods of 50 to 100 years prior a principle that he called the 50 years trial to determine if anything was worth doing or just a fad now, I, I, I did a little digging on what the new and improved methods of the early 1700s would have been, and we can infer that this means that Monzi didn't believe in using alcohol as medicine. He didn't believe in using citrus to cure scurvy. Uh, he absolutely did not believe in vaccines. I mean, to be fair, that puts him right up there with the... With everyone else who was homeschooled. I was about to say, this. I, I'm, I'm noticing a trend going back to the 1600s uh, anti-vax community, and I'd like you to get on the right side of history. Conversely, we can assume that Monzi was mad into bloodletting, uh, urine charts, You're, no, and no, sand... Stop. No, 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 no. You don't just get to say that word. Bloodletting, I concede to you. You can say that in common parlance. You don't get to say the word urine charts... And then just move on. You don't get to do that. That's not your... No. Mm -mm, mm -mm. God, mm -mm. I wish you didn't do this, Nathan, because I don't even know what those are. Spencer, and the fact that you didn't prepare for this sort of verbal assault and you wrote the word urine charts and thought, I won't have to follow this up. I don't need any more details on this. Concerns I, me. Well, maybe let's postulate here um, rather than consult Google. What if urine charts are like those uh, titration strips uh, that you used in chemistry class? Maybe you, you pee on them and depending on what color comes up, that's what disease you have. It's like a mood ring for piss. Here's the really the really depressing thing is that I Googled urine charts and all I'm getting is a chart that just says, did I drink enough water? And it's just, how dark's your piss? So I'm pretty sure this guy was just like, piss. Oh, it's purple. That ain't great. 
and that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's all I got here. Last but not least, we know that Monzi would have been a huge proponent of Santorio Santorio's hit 1600s gadget, Fuck. the thermometer. Oh, whoa, okay, all right, we're good, we're good with that. Not that. the weighing chair. No, not the weighing chair. No, I was about to say, fuck off. I thought we were going to get something fun. But no, he just he knows how to take people. So he knows if someone's hot. He definitely knows if they have not been drinking enough water. <laughs> and uh, he's very confident that uh, they need less blood. And I'm not sure how any of those are actually going to help someone by accident or on purpose. And not only, Nathan, did this, um, well, this medicinal caveman save the Lord's life, he managed to lift Godolphin's spirits enough that the two were friendly with one another. So Godolphin depressed, was impressed. So a depressed boy wanders, an emo kid wanders through town, and this man ostensibly, mm-hmm. no, we, at, to this point, you have given me no course of treatment. It just, he intervened. What does that mean? What did he do? Did he let the man's blood and then that made him happy? That just means that he introduced cutting to the emo community and I, that's a that's a sin that he needs to pay for. You know what, Nathan? There's exactly one medicinal procedure that I know Dr. Messenger Monzi did. And we'll get to that. Oh, God. <laughs> you fucking, don't you do a tease. And we'll get to that. We're, after the commercial break, are we doing another commercial jump now? Which dildo <laughs> company wants to sponsor us this week? BetterHelp, folks, is uh, <laughs> exhausting therapists nationwide. You can call them anytime, 24-7. You know who needed BetterHelp? Lord Godolphin. But no, he just had this psychopath with his leeches and his fucking piss chart. Godolphin was impressed with Monzi's literary talents, his cheer, his wit, and his frankness. The two commiserated over how much they hated being out here in the country. <laughs> Why are you here then? Go! Leave! And Godolphin, upon making a full recovery, made Monzi a generous offer to accompany him to Newmarket. And Monzi jumped at the opportunity. I mean, I'm making negative money and my wig is rusty and you (laughs) want to take me to a new town, sugar daddy? Let's go! He's moving up in the world. He's got his golden ticket. He's going to the big city. The big city being Newmarket, a city I've never heard of to this moment. (laughs) Well, it's pretty up and coming. It's pretty new here, so. Oh, okay. It's hip. Yeah, yeah. This is, um, he's moving to Portland. Uh, living at Godolphin's estate for a short time, Monzi made fast friends with many other influential figures in the English metropolis. He knew playwrights, politicians, and he even befriended Lord Chesterfield, a royal surgeon at Chelsea. I'm, I'm concerned as to how he's befriending an actual surgeon, because that does feel... Like, oh, <laughs> I see you're uh, using alcohol to sterilize that wound. <laughs> I think I have a better idea. Peas in the wound. Look at my urine chart. That's brown. You know, that means it's been drinking his, uh, his, his I don't know, his tea. I don't, I don't know how this works. I'm just kind of winging it. What do you think? <laughs> I know, uh, Nathan, I know it's bad audio. I know it's, it's going to make for very bad audio, but if you can check your Discord DMs. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I don't I, give a shit about audio. This is for me. If, if any of you are listening, that is tangential to the goal of this. Uh, here I, we go. I have not done my due diligence, and I've not, I've not shown you what Dr. Monzi looks like. You haven't, and that's concerning that that's relevant to this conversation. Here we go. Well, so he's, he's up and coming. He's making a lot of friends. Oh, good so I feel Lord. It helps. Look at this. Oh, no. Look at this. Benjamin Franklin wannabe. It helps you along the story to know what the guy looks like. So we'll, we'll probably cut this, but that's a portrait of him. This was not what I was picturing. So folks, to paint you a word picture, uh, imagine a man in a pastel pink uh, uh, turn uh, a founding father gear. It just imagine any founding father and then make their outfit pastel pink. That's him. Uh, I'm getting like Benjamin Rush meets Benjamin Franklin vibes on the head <laughs> and then his wig is decidedly not rusty in this picture it does look like it's made of hair like a normal one should no be. yeah no godolphin gave him a new one for that he's so he soft so just looks so forlorn and confused he's just staring off into space like man i don't fucking know man like he's got he's a whole ass mood in this picture right here well i mean look since any since any good journalist comes with two sources um, here is a second picture of him. Oh, dear Christ, you so mad. Holy shit, folks, I was not ready for this one. So you got the first word picture I painted for you. Let me do this one. You know the Quaker Oats guy? Imagine that guy, but he hasn't slept in like two years. <laughs> um, 
He hasn't slept in a while. And then imagine that he has been like clawing at his own face as if to wrench the skin from it and has left knife mark nail marks down his cheeks. That's basically what you're doing right now. I, I mean, Google Dr. Monzi and you'll get it. But I'm telling you, I have just painted you a perfect word picture and you don't need to Google that, it. That's, that's it. If you've got that in your mind, you're good. That second one, Nathan, is from a book written by someone who strongly admired him. Um, like, I mean, I admire Spencer. What I'm telling you is, if I met a lich walking around in the world, <laughs> I would. Ad- I'm not saying admiration's <laughs> off the table. I'm not saying it, but what I'm telling you is, you just presented me with a man who has a phylactery hidden somewhere, and I. Uh, <laughs> and the fact that both of these pictures are ostensibly the same person concerns me deeply. That that is that one. That one's the first thing you see when you open a book called The Life and Eccentricities of the Late Dr. Monzi. Spoiler, he dies eventually. Let, let me tell you this. Uh, uh, this is the equivalent of like that picture of Jesus that they tried to get restored and the dude just did finger paint. Oh, God. It's that. It's not a good look, folks. You really need to see this. This this image is required to be to be viewed. I'm going to link this in the Thank show notes. Thank you. Uh, someone so, has so to, and I don't there. edit this shit. So, yeah, it's got to be you. <laughs> Nathan, Dr. Monzi, despite being such a charming party goer, didn't enjoy leaving his home for extended periods of time. I wouldn't either, because then people might know where to find, maybe the phylactery's in your house, and if you leave, someone will find it. You gotta stay on top of that thing. <laughs> Since the good doctor didn't really believe in banking. He, well, of course uh, he, was he always... didn't. It hasn't been around for 50 years. That's some bad bullshit. He's like, banking? That's Bitcoin, motherfucker. I don't believe that shit. Fucking currency. What are you talking about? Yeah, nice try. By the way, why don't I make any money? I'm confused. Can anyone help? <laughs> he was always paranoid about finding, or someone, he was always paranoid about someone finding the caches of money hidden around his home. After taking a trip to Norfolk to visit his brother, Monzi returned home to find that his housekeeper, Mrs. Marriott, was having company over. Making her friends a spot of tea, she wanted to give them a taste of the high life by boiling the kettle in the master sitting room's fireplace. Monzi immediately dropped everything, bolted across the room, and screamed, Damn your blood, you bitch! You have ruined me forever! Uh (laughs) He then threw the boiling kettle to the floor, Okay, at least he didn't throw it on her. I was very concerned he was going to uh, horribly scald this woman. (laughs) Ran back to the kitchen pump, came back with a pail of water to douse the entire fireplace. For God's sake, Marriott yelled, you'll spoil the steel stove and fire irons. Damn the stove irons. You, your company and all, you have ruined and undone me forever. You have burned my banknotes. He was hiding his money in the fire fireplace who would think of putting banknotes in a bath stove she asked to which he answered who'd think of making a fire in july (laughs) okay okay mr monzi point see he's i think you're gonna find there's a reason that this disheveled quaker oats mummy was a hit at parties (laughs) monzi found that some portion of the money had survived but most of it was marked or destroyed by the fire. And if I'm not mistaken, he lost 400 sterling pounds worth of banknotes, the modern equivalent of $100,000. I was about to say, because his yearly income was like 300 pounds last round, and so more than that, plus old-timey money, yeah, yeah, no, that is. Now, to be fair, as someone that uh, tangentially works with people that have money sometimes, I've seen people light $100,000 on fire in much funnier ways. <laughs> Sometimes literally, I'm sure. Well, less, less, that's the problem. Is actually lighting it on fire not that funny? There are better ways to burn your money, and it's not burning it. And I just, I can't get over the fact that up to this point, the biography has made him sound poor, right? Well, no, until he met Lord Fauntleroy uh, Happy Pants, and, and, and the, the accountant's son took him to the live the high life. Well, still, I mean, so, so 400 sterling pounds worth of banknotes, if that's about hundred thousand dollars and he's making 300 a year that's what like like sixty thousand or something like eighty thousand i, now, I Spencer, don't know the math now, here Spencer, but back a lot then, of money imagine right? you're a doc imagine you're a doctor making 80k you're gonna okay. look around nowadays and go like well shit i can't afford rent on a one bedroom in new york so this sucks I, that's fair and my buddy is out running 
a medicine cart and making, I don't know, fucking uh, $300,000. Uh, again, just a drug dealer. You keep saying medicine cart. That's just a drug dealer. <laughs> it's not. That man has no credentials. <laughs> and if he does, I don't trust them. That's just a drug dealer. To be fair, also a lucrative business path. And I support it. Taking the remains of the money to Lord Godolphin and explaining what had happened. The old man laughed so hard he could barely breathe, which is what any good friend should do when you hide your fortune in a stove. If my best friend came to me and said, hey, I just lit $100,000 on fire by accident, uh, I would laugh very hard. Godolphin loved the story so much that he mentioned it at his appointment later that afternoon to a colleague, explaining to him that, that he simply had to hear this from Monzi himself. So, Godolphin has some company over the next day, and he invites Monzi back, coaxing him into telling the story again. Hey, hey, Monzi's, hey, hey, buddy, uh, tell, tell see, you're going to get a kick out of this. Tell him how you lit uh, a year's salary on fire. <laughs> and Monzi is apparently like a natural stand-up comedian, by the way, because he's emphatically, he, he sets to it. He's like, oh, hell yeah, you bet, Lord. Uh, he's, he's pantomiming the whole thing as he tells it. And it's a fucking laugh riot. And as he's finishing the story, he realizes that there is someone else in this room listening in. Somebody hiding in the closet. This um, silent passenger busts out laughing from the closet so hard that the door opens and they stumble and fall out of it. And that person was King George II. No, it wasn't. It was not. And no, none. Mm -mm, no, I, I have I have standards, sir. And they are being broached. What? It's got real, uh, and that kid was Albert Einstein energy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I get it. I get it. But Monzi, not missing a beat, says, well, I'm glad you guys find it funny because I'm down 400 pounds. Godolphin had, however, already arranged. I'm going to be clear here. I've translated a lot of the 1700s he quotes here. Just, now, now here's, just here's, for ease of reading. Here's the problem gang and i'm okay. hoping you're all screaming along with me at home i, I do need your support like uh, give me your energy spirit bomb spirit bomb style yeah, yeah um spencer you have not to this point addressed the fact that a monarch was hiding in the old monarch's accountant's son's closet during a quaker o shaman's stand-up routine i'm very i'm trying to keep it together and i'm having a hard time see i think king george knows that anytime he goes into a room people are going to act weird about it they're going to get weird right so he needs to be out of sight he needs to hide in the closet so that he can hear this authentically he's not going to hear it sugar-coated for his highness's sensitive royal ears and um you know the guy's desperate for entertainment was he the I just told you. monarch was he the king at this point? Yeah. Uh-huh. Active monarch, yeah. Kings just don't go, you know. Uh-uh. <laughs> Monzi's going in for his type five, and he's he's yet to really question why the Secret Service is out kind of like guarding every entrance to the home. But Monzi, of course, taken aback by the fact that the king was still in this room, still feel still felt a prudent dimension. It's like, I'm glad you guys are getting a good kick out of this. I lost all my money. <laughs> destitute i'm glad it is funny for you not since i've lived in the country <laughs> but godolphin had already arranged for the two to visit the bank at whitehall downriver where he'd vouch for the integrity of the mostly damaged notes and have them replaced no big deal so if i just light all my money on fire as long as i have a rich enough <laughs> friend who is willing to say nah he's good for it they'll just give me new money Nathan, I think you're starting to understand why this newfangled banking fad isn't going anywhere. <laughs> I'm starting to say I might be. I, I'm on his side. I get it. No, it's made up. I'm, I'm with you. So they chartered a boat to carry them to Whitehall by water. And on that voyage, uh, Monzi, you know, he's sitting up on the top of sitting on the deck of the boat. I don't know if it had a below deck, but he's sitting on the top deck of the boat. Uh, the, the sea breeze is in his hair or whatever. The river breeze. Um, and he, I, I, I don't know, wants to make sure the scraps are all still there. Uh, so he opens his billfold, he examines, counts, makes sure all the, all the burnt corners are still there. And then a strong breeze lifts all the scraps of paper and blows them into the river. Mm-hmm. 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 And so he, he screams. So he screams, he turns to the boat crew and he says, turn around, you sons of bitches. <laughs> oh my God. 
God damn you, turn around. My banknotes are overboard. Monzi dove after and used his hat to scoop up the surviving notes and then promptly swam ashore because they were uh, literally pulling into Whitehall as his dumbass let his money be blown away in the wind. So he just shows up at the bank soaking wet. Soaking wet. Lo- looking Mark- like a Skeletor-ass motherfucker. Uh, I assume his hat fully askew uh, and says, <laughs> here's some paper. I'd like some money, please. Well, Monzi marches right into the bank soaking wet. Hat still full of water. He marches straight to the office where Godolphin and the bankers were waiting for their appointment. He tosses the waterlogged hat onto the banker's desk with enough force to splash everybody and said, There, take the remains of your damn notes. Neither fire nor water will consume them. Take your demon money, I don't need it. And Godolphin gets Monzi to tell the entire story a third time. Now, with the river part added on, and once again, the doctor slays the room with his tight five. Sure enough... The bankers agree to replace the bills with Godolphin's good standing as collateral, and all is well. Of, of, of course, all is well. This is just how money works. Except when Monzi exits the bank. Jesus because a, a rugged-looking sailor walks right up to him, puts a firm arm on the doctor, and, and Monzi, assuming he's being mugged, clubs the man over the face with his gentleman's cane. Spencer, how did this man actually lose $100,000? Because what you're telling me is the story that he tells his wife to get away with having spent $100,000 on, like, I don't know, buying Stonehenge or something. Like, I don't know what you do at that point. But that's why. What what did he really do with it? Because this story is does not make sense in any other context than I must have something more unbelievable than what actually happened. I just feel like he was, I feel like he's also doing a full-on Lucille Bluth situation where, I love how this, this rugged <laughs> sailor was probably just a guy that was like, hey, mister, and he just turns around and goes, oh, and hits him with, just knocks him out with a cane. Well, Godolphin rushes out behind him and, and explains to Monzi that this gentleman was part of the boat crew that Godolphin oh had hired God. to take him to Whitehall. <laughs> He was just trying to get his fucking check from Monzi's payment before he forgot about it and just walked away. And Monzi's like, oh, mugger. He was on the boat with you. He was on the boat. And he just knocks his ass out. Godolphin paid the sailors off. Uh, He tipped the one generously for getting caned in the nose. (laughs) Um, What do you tip tip on assault and battery? What what is that, like 35%, 40%? Also, this is where the biography makes the footnote, which reads, quote, the doctor was near six feet high and very strong. (laughs) (laughs) And I was six feet tall and I was handsome and people liked me and then looks to the picture in the front of the book. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, Nathan, that that picture in the book there, that's after the Jedi made their attempt on his life and left him (laughs) scarred and deformed. <laughs> That's really what it looks like. That Palpatine looking ass raisin bitch. Now this was enough. This was enough to convince Monzi to uh maybe buy into the banking thing instead of hiding his money. <laughs> maybe this whole maybe this whole uh, hiding all my money in the walls is for the for the birds. I guess I'll give this whole coinage thing a try. But Godolphin was old, and eventually Monzi would find himself a beneficiary in his late friend's will. Uh, as you do. It's, as you do. It's this little bump in legacy that gets him an appointment at Chelsea Hospital as a physician. Uh, Chelsea was uh, something of a retirement home for veterans. Uh, oh. So now I, I mentioned that, that Monzi was largely against new medicine. But that doesn't yeah. mean he wasn't afraid to, to shake things up now and again. Oh, good. So he doesn't. So to be clear, he does not like established medicine. He does, in fact, like old medicine or bullshit that he thought up and thinks sounds cool. (laughs) This This man would thrive on Facebook so much. (laughs) This man would have an entire Facebook community with like. 40,000 just moms with the same haircut and uh, and, and some anger issues. I don't know. He's too funny. 
No, that's know, important. That's important. There. They have to. There has. They have to be kind of funny, or at least that. That's part of it. That's part of it for him. He's doing TikTok dances, and you know it. <laughs> well, it was at Chelsea that Monzi had to come up with a new idea. Did he have to? But did the world demand it from our boy? The world was was itching for a new way to pull teeth. Oh no! I don't trust this man to do it. <laughs> How many ways are there? How creative can you get with that process? Well, he'd tried, Nathan. Over the years, he had tried and perfected a particular school of thought on his own bad teeth over the years. But he just couldn't persuade anybody else to let them, let him try it on their mouth. Let him root around in their mouth hole with all those, uh, all those piano keys that we're all so fond of. Well, with an abundance of patience at Chelsea... Monzi eventually got at least one person to give it a go. <laughs> it is, you are setting the table for something because how many times when your doctor says, hey, I want to do this. I think this is a good procedure. How insane does what comes out of his mouth have to be for him to need a giant pool of people? Because he's like, I just got to get one, baby. <laughs> this is going to sound, Nathan, pretty familiar, actually. So, so you know, kind of lower your expectations. This is kind of mundane, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, but Monzi started by by getting a string made of cat gut, um, and tying it around the patient's aching tooth. I I you said a string made of cat gut. Does that mean that he's just wrapping like cat intestines around a person? It's, like wrapping cat gut a, is a type of string. It, it's a type of string made from animal intestine. Um, okay. It was a okay. thing you did back then, I guess. I'm not sure so, why. So he's gonna uh, take some. He's gonna take some cat intestine and wrap it around there and start this tooth like a lawnmower. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, he's got a little organic rope, little nature's okay. floss, as it were. Okay. And he's tied it around the the aching tooth, and then he takes the other end of that string and he loops it through a hole that he's punched into a bullet. <laughs> and oh and then God, no. and oh, then he loads man. the bullet. Stop! Stop it! Stop it! Into nope. a flintlock nope. pistol. No, no, absolutely and, not. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. That's not what he does. He can't do that. Where is he shooting it? What? We have to do your tooth extraction. Where are we going? To the range, motherfucker. Let's do this. You're telling me his strategy for tooth. He's like, now getting it with a pair of pliers and yanking it out of there. That's inhumane. What I want to do is tie a string around it and shoot them motherfuckers out. Well, Nathan, this um, this apprehension that you exhibit here uh, was shared by the patient because the one guy he got to agree to this backed out at the last second. Can you? When, when, it was probably when he was when you saw him when he was loading the pistol. When he's looking at this <laughs> this 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 cat intestine going down a barrel of a pistol, he's like, "I made poor life decisions to get here. I can. I don't have to. I don't have to keep making hurt people, hurt people, and I, I have to stop this cycle of violence." <laughs> Quote, his resolution failed, and he cried out lustily that he had changed his mind. Cried out lustily? Lustily. Why yeah, is that? It, mean, that? it means impassioned. It okay. means like loud okay. and impassioned, not okay, lustfully. Fair. He's not horny about it. No, He's not like moaning about this. I was concerned that this that this man found his thing and was too afraid to go through with it. He's <laughs> like, if this is it, if this is the only way, I'll never go back. I'll I'm gonna run out of teeth eventually. I can't. I can't go down this. I can't know that about myself. <laughs> Cry, cried out lustily that he had changed his mind. Uh, quote, but I have not, said Monzi, giving it an instant <laughs> and smart pull. <laughs> Call the ambulance, but not for me. Blam! <laughs> Quote, and you are a fool and a coward for your pains. <laughs> so he's he just, always I, got a one-liner. Doc, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't think this is a good idea. I do. Pew, <laughs> pussy. <laughs> I'm just imagining him doing this in his office. Where is he shooting it? Out the window. <laughs> at what? At, at the, butt. I don't know, rival, at his rival orderly or something. <laughs> I about to say, he's just taking, there's another doctor across the street. He's like, ha ha, I'll get you, he'll shoot you with teeth bullets. You'll never see that coming. <laughs> Sadly, Nathan, as far as we know, the only teeth Monzi was shooting out were his own. I love, now, a certain, was it just at a certain point, he's like, uh, this is tooth number 12 I'm going to do this on. I, I got to do something. <laughs> I got to mix it up. I'm running out. <laughs> I gotta have some varieties to spice alive. I gotta try something new. Let's let's get creative. Now, Monzi wasn't just a stand-up savant and a uh, dentistry pioneer. He was chivalrous, Nathan. Passing through the Oxford market one day, he spotted a poor, pregnant woman trying to buy some beef from a butcher, 
who the doctor described as, quote, a brute. Okay. okay. (laughs) Asking how much for a cut of fine beef, the butcher told her, one penny a pound. Pretty high price. Pretty high price. Basically, he's... He's pretty much telling her, you know, you can't afford this, lady. Don't even get, get If you've got to ask, you, you ain't going to need it. Exactly. Well, Monzi says to the guy, weigh that piece of beef. So the butcher says, ten pounds and a half. And Monzi throws the butcher a shilling, paying a little more than the whole cut of meat. And the woman tried to thank the doctor, but Monzi said, I don't want to hear it. Go straight home. Get out of <laughs> here now. Go on, get. It ain't safe what? for you out of here. I, so, so to be clear... His, 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 his he, he felt the sting of capitalism and was like, I must rectify this. Yeah, he buys this pregnant woman, her this poor pregnant woman, her meat. Um, and, and he chucks the butcher a penny. Uh, or no, a shilling, sorry. A, a shilling. shilling, yeah, no, uh, shilling. Here. He's overpaid. He's overpaid here. Yeah, he's like, and he turns to the like, butcher. Keep the change. Well, quite the opposite, Nathan. He turns to the butcher and he's, and he demands his change. <laughs> Exact change now, motherfucker. But the butcher didn't understand. Quote, what do you mean, sir? Monty says, mean, sir? Why, to pay for the poor woman's beef. What you asked her, a penny a pound. Come, make haste and give me three half pence. I am in a hurry. Now, why, sir? The butcher started again, but Monty cuts him off. No why, sirs, with me. Give me my change instantly, or I will break your head. Good day, sir. When the butcher tried to open his mouth again, Monzi, quote, struck him with all the force of his cane. Several other competing butchers had gathered around by this point, and when Monzi <laughs> explained what had happened, they all he, laughed. He went, he went for his gun. <laughs> I was, I feared for my life. <laughs> he got a knife. He's a butcher. Yeah, it was a big ass one, too. A I, cleaver? I, I just... Who needs a cleaver? What, what is this? It was like a buster blade of a paring <laughs> knife. This thing, tell you, there's no need for this knife, this little knife to be so big. Cracks this dude upside the fucking head, tells tells all the other rival butchers what happened, <laughs> yeah, and they all and laugh. it could be you too! You're next! <laughs> and they, they love it though, they're cracking up, they all laugh, and I feel like that is half this dude's biography, is Dr. Monzi got in a real sticky situation, and everyone clapped. <laughs> You say this is a biography. This is not. This is an autobiography, 100%. None of this. Ha- this is all like my friends totally can vouch for me. They're all dead, but at, they're totally they would vouch for me. I'm so cool every single time. Like, this is some like, this is some like influencer level narcissism about oneself to be about. No, no one lives this kind of life. Absolutely not. Also, why did he assault the man? <laughs> because the book doesn't really make it clear what the butcher was going to fucking what was say. He gonna say? He was he like, cuts- you didn't pay right? Or that's too much? Or I don't know. Like, what? He had so I many think. things he could have needed to convey that didn't result in traumatic brain injuries. <laughs> Literally gives him, like, five words at a time before he's like, no, shut the fuck up. Give me my money back. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. He's like, you guys saw, right? Yeah, he was getting uppity with me, so I smacked him upside the fucking skull. The best I can gather is that the butcher gave a joke price to this woman as an insult. And when Monzi steps in to offer to buy it, the butcher's like, oh, okay, no, let's be clear here. Like, this is what I actually want for it. That's my best guess, is that the butcher was like, was, was being called on his bullshit and was trying to back out of it. And so Monzi... Gave him a concussion, uh, but but I real we'll never know. We'll never know. Also, this never happened. To be clear, <laughs> this absolutely did not happen in any capacity. The the butcher threatened Monzi. He survived. He did get up. He survived. The butcher threatened Monzi <laughs> well, as with well, a summons. He should threatened Monzi with a well Nathan Monzi is six feet tall and very strong six feet and very attractive women love him men want to be him we we are amazed that he did not tee off this butcher's head uh the the butcher threatens Monzi threatens him with a summons to the court of conscience uh but despite giving him his address the butcher never really followed up with the doctor it, perhaps this is because he died of a brain bleed. Maybe that's why. <laughs> he never followed up because he forgot what his name was or the faces of his children. <laughs> but no big deal. <laughs> I got a question for you, Nate. I got a question. Yeah. You, you are 
you're an eligible bachelorette in the 1700s in England. I'm not, and, but go on. And you peek over the fence. Daddy lets you outside for 10 minutes of the day, and, and you, you use that time to go peer over the fence, and you see none other than Dr. Messenger Monzi tying oh. his teeth to bullets and shooting them out of his skull. <laughs> Perhaps he's even breaking the skull of a local artisan. <laughs> worker a man providing a service to his community just how badly do you want to marry that adonis so i've seen the pictures so bad uh monzi had had briefly been married actually he was briefly married to a wealthy widow before he'd even met lord godolphin oh okay so this guy's been a gold digger his entire life (laughs) from day one that woman, that woman has been uh, buried under the stairs as a blood ritual sacrifice. Oh, she's dead. Oh, she's oh, dead. Yeah, she died. She's dead. She died. Yeah, she died before Godolphin showed up. Like they were briefly married, and then she died. Yeah, she because um, she got sick and was like, "Well, my husband's a doctor, good for me." And then he's like, "I'm gonna <laughs> tie your, to do. I'm gonna tie your spleen to some cat intestines and blast it with a cannon. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> The, the wealthy widow had had left him a daughter before she died. Um, and he was a good father. Uh, like he spent he spent plenty of time with her. Uh, I haven't that. heard a word about her to date in his life story. So I have to call bullshit. You know, you'd be fair for having your doubts. But he despite being such a good single dad, he longed for companionship. After all, he was quite a catch. <laughs> he was six feet and very attractive. No doubt he had a sharp wit. Once at a party, when one of the guests took it upon himself to sing for the room, Monzi said at the song's conclusion that the song was like smallpox, and that everyone was glad it ended. Burn! This is from Monzi's greatest hits. That's, that's this part of the cock and bull. He'd been called upon by his neighbors to check in on their sick kid, but they admitted that it was a reluctant house call, as Monzi had been quarantining himself for the last few weeks after a brush with another illness. The neighbors told Monzi, quote, we're afraid of you, doctor. You've been sick. To which Monzi said, you often make me sick, but I'm not afraid. No, he no, <laughs> he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't say this. No, Nathan, he did. And everyone <laughs> clapped. And everyone, everyone clapped and it was great. Everyone clapped. It was awesome. I imagine this man lives in the same mind sphere that Elon Musk does, where he gets on stage with Dave Chappelle and everyone audibly boos him. And he's like, it wasn't that. They all loved me. I was six feet tall and attractive. Boo-earns, they were saying. <laughs> there were a, a few prominent women who rejected Monzi for being such a sarcastic asshole, some going as far as to denounce him as a, quote, fellow who swore and talked body. This is just, it's just Larry David. He's just Larry David. <laughs> he, is, he is a bit of a Larry David. He's got a, he's got a bit of a Larry David to him. And uh, Nathan, that's not the kind of thing you just come back from. That's not the kind of diss that you survive in the 1700s. No. Now, not, un, not unless you're the alpha male that is Messenger Monzi, because in most cases, it was actually Monzi who was playing hard to get. Oh, was it? Oh, was it now? Was he peacocking? Was he demonstrating value? Monzi had flings with all sorts of women throughout the years, but too many times he'd realized that they had some kind of deal breaker for him. Oh, no. Gotta gotta keep high standards. Can't be catching feeling for these hoes in the streets. I get you, messenger. I get you. Monzi never quite gave up on love either. In fact, he was 84 when he was spending the summer writing love poems to a Miss Barry in Cheswick. I don't like now, you that might be he saying got, Nathan that is up I, in years. I I was literally about to say I'm concerned that he was able to live that long. I thought everyone in the 1700s died when they were like 22. What the fuck is going on? Now are you was this picture written on his death like the again <laughs> folks if you have not at this point gone and found the picture you're doing you need to have it in your head for all of this cuz it makes it so much better. But th- it, that picture honestly could have been drawn two minutes after he died and i would have believed you 20 years after i think would be pretty appropriate if you put him in they a good dug enough mausoleum. Him up, propped him up and was like this is exactly what he looked like well nathan you would be right that is quite up in your years his position at the royal hospital he'd been working at all these years um, what, and yes what, he is still working why, in his mid-80s that man is 84 years old in 1700s with inflation. That's he is a crypt keeper. He is dead and reincarnated at this point, And he is still allowed to practice medicine. 
or whatever facsimile of it he's ever practiced? I think I know why, though. I think I know why this man's going to work till he dies. Uh, it's because, A, he's got more teeth to try and shoot out. Uh, but, B, it's work-provided housing. The, play, the job comes with an estate. Man, if I quit, I, I got to start paying bills. I, I, don't, I ain't here for that, man. I'll go. Let's do it. Little work-provided housing complete with a nice garden. Well, oh, it's well, typical for this, this, uh, typical for this kind of position at a, uh, for the hospital board to line up a backup. Someone to take over the role when the physician dies. And they lined up that backup 47 years ago. He died. His son was in line. He died. And then his grandson's on to finally take over. Well, Nathan, they, they did several times, actually. <laughs> Manzi looked out his window one morning to see one of these newly appointed backups strolling around his garden, having a nice gander of the property that would one day be his. Getting, getting, uh, <laughs> like, little self-invited you know, tour. There's a picture of me getting older somewhere, buckaroo, and if you don't find it, <laughs> I'm going to have this garden forever. The good doctor opened his window and said to the man, well, sir, I see you are examining your house and gardens that are to be, and I can assure you, they are both very pleasant and very convenient. But I must tell you one circumstance. You are the fifth man that has had the reversion of the place, and I have buried them all. <laughs> and what is more, there is something in your face that tells me I shall bury you too. <laughs> oh my god. Five times. Five times the hospital has lined somebody up to I inherit made, this job. All of them have died. I made the joke with three. I thought three was absurd. And that guy was the fifth. I did not misspeak there. He died too. Like <laughs> very Mozzie, shortly after. And Mozzie called him. He's like, he's just he's like, I've seen death in your eyes. Boy, it gets running. And he fucking dies. Seven days, bitch. In fact... He would go on to kill a sixth man waiting in line for his position. <laughs> Why would you keep It's cursed! It's cursed! He hasn't this is a is a witch. Don't fight him on this. Just let him go. Because Dr. Messenger Monzi lived to the colossal age of 96. Oh my good god, he was the oldest human being alive. He worked to the last goddamn day. <laughs> and the hospital. When he died, was briefly without a physician because in an unprecedented circumstance, they had not lined up a retainer. My guess being they read the writing on the wall. And they didn't want to fucking kill another man. I was to say because at a certain point, you're liable. At a certain point, that's on your conscience. You have to live with that. You're sending those men to their death. It's like it's like a fucking haunted house, like a like a murder house when you're selling it. You have to legally disclose that someone got axe murdered. You have <laughs> to tell them when they're signing up for this job. Yeah, so you yes, uh, rent is paid. Yes, we we do the heating and the electric. Yeah, don't even worry about that. Um, so there have been six of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an immortal lich uh, with uh, who, who craves nothing but witty repartee, uh, and unless you can provide it to him, he will bury you. He will bury you in the yard with the rest. <laughs> if he looks into your eyes and he does not deem your soul worthy, like Anubis, he shall cast you down. A uh, great benefits package, though. Great benefits package. Yeah, very close. Very close walk. Great house. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Monzi was, as I said, 96 on his passing, and he worked right up to the death. As a result, he left behind a considerable fortune of 16,000 pounds, all of which. Yeah. Yeah. Who does, who does a man of this kind of stature leave his money? A man who wanted nothing but wealth, attained it all like a Scrooge McDuck villain, and lived long enough to enjoy every goddamn second of it. Who gets his pile of ill-gotten gains? All of it, Nathan, is going to his daughter. And only on the condition that she passes this money down generationally to her daughter's. Now, there were a number of other beneficiaries, though they did not get the cold, hard cash of Monzi's estate. They got other things. In fact, most of these... I'm concerned about what other things are. Most of these beneficiaries were women that Monzi had beef with. Exes. What? People he'd been rejected by. The haters? People he'd rejected. They, all the haters. Oh, yeah. He, he added all of the haters in his will. Quote, he mentions a young lady with the most lavish encomiums 
on her wit, taste, and elegance, and bequeaths her an old battered snuff box, barely worth sixpence. Here's the problem. He said a young woman? Yeah. Okay, here's the problem. When he died, he was 96. <laughs> so what, like, she, of what, at what age was he when this young woman, it, it, this, if you're 84 years old and you are hitting on 18-year-olds, I'm concerned, and I don't think that's her fault. This bitch is getting a ratty old box. I was about to say, hey, for, for Carol, who didn't let me uh, uh, say, hey, sweet tits at her in the, in the checkout line, <laughs> uh, I give you a you diaper <laughs> sucks to suck i'm insane <laughs> he mentions another young woman to whom he says he meant to have left a legacy but that he has discovered her to be a pert conceited minx with as many affected silly airs as a foolish woman of quality which induced him to alter his mind that one he just gives her nothing it's just like i almost gave you something i almost oh. gave you something is he just expecting to like have all these women gathered in a room and have this read out to them? Like, how are they gonna find it? this? Is just like a Craigslist misconnections post, like, but see, with like a weird Twitter epithet. Like, I'm gonna post this when I die. It's a poisoned pill. It goes out on my deathbed, and I'm calling out all the haters. Monzi even left an old velvet coat to one friend <laughs> and its buttons to another. Hi. So this is isn't that the weirdest that's the best no, that's the best meat cute ever. I want the romantic nuts. comedy of I got the coat, I got the buttons. Uh-oh. <laughs> Rom com, do it. But I think uh the high I think the real like end capper for the for the will. My body shall not be insulted with any funeral ceremonies. But after being dissected in the theater of Guy's Hospital by the surgeons for the benefit of themselves and the students, the remainder of my carcass may be put into a hole or crammed into a box with holes and thrown into the Thames. So to be clear, he's like, no, no, we're not going to have a funeral. That's uh, that's that's some that's some broke ass shit. That's that's not for a man of intellect. That's no, gauche. I'm going to be dissected live on pay-per-view for the doctor's benefit. Oh, they're going to get all up in my guts. Yeah, it's fun. I'm going to make everybody watch and then throw the desiccated corpse <laughs> in the river. <laughs> Monzi uh, was uh, rather famously, uh, controversially even, uh, an atheist by the end of his life. Uh, he had cast off the shackles <laughs> of believing in a God. Because he and killed God 20 years ago. He had nothing left. And uh, I think it's just so appropriate that his last wishes were throw me in a fucking hole. I don't care. <laughs> Do what you want, man. Give a shit. I've done. I've done all of it. You're gonna need to put a box and throw me in a hole and light that hole on fire. It's the only way to keep me from reincarnating. <laughs> and that, folks, is another episode of the Cock and Bull Podcast. Yes, it is. It sure is fun. I don't know going in this. Like, I'm not sure how long this one's gonna be. I had to fluff it out. What the. F fuck did you consider leaving on the cutting room floor out of this insanity i just what the fuck is wrong i with can't you? believe there was a version of this document a few days ago that was maybe three pages this is it is it is i believe tripled in length now by this point oh and and, and no ounce of it was superfluous good uh, there was so sir. much shit in this guy's biography that was uh boring or like mildly interesting they devoted the person who wrote this devoted like three pages to a story about Monzi and his brother going duck hunting. And then when they both finally get to the ducks after marching for like three hours down miles of swampy road, only when they get to the ducks are they like, all right, do you got the gun? Well, I don't have the gun. You have the gun. Oh, beans. Let's go home. <laughs> it's like that's the kind that's the shit that made up 60 percent of this dude's book. <laughs> That dude either was getting paid by the word, absolutely or was, does not have an editor. It is one. It was other. both because he was also clearly not an author. <laughs> the third a variable guy. in there, just, a... just someone who worshipped the ground. Messenger Monzi walked on. And can you blame him because he probably had a couple death cults started by the time he finally shuffled off his mortal coil? Nate, how do you like this one? How do you feel about Messenger? See, oh, uh, it, oh no, this was good. Alpha male this, icon. This was good. It's not. It, this is this is a new uh, new life goals a new you know when you're when you're putting the Chad paradigm on blast uh, you gotta you gotta you gotta think where does Messenger Monzi slip in where do I want my uh, eccentric conspiracy theory driven 
sass baskets to go in, in the in the realm of, of human history. It's, it's it's a long it's a long thought. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It's how I continue to exist. And um, share this with your friends. Maybe get, kind of recommend this to your mom. See what she thinks. Maybe she would have dated Messenger Monzi. You should ask her. You should ask her. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe she did because i don't know when did he die in the, the late 80s i feel like probably at this rate it was new coke that did him in it's the only k- series of chemicals that could undo the the polymers that held him together um we want to thank Drifless pony club for allowing us to use their song they were buffalo on the ark off the album cholera we are steadily on our march to 100 you can catch us every week as a consequence of us taking months to record these to make sure that we never miss a week I was about to say, you can catch us because uh you haven't caught us for uh, uh too long because it's uh, july right now because it's july as i record this it's july it's of what year the people scream of what year because that's the more rel- months are meaningless in this context I'll never tell. what presidential administration are we in <laughs> fuck We've seen the we've seen the changing of the guard. Next time, folks, are you gonna do your catchphrase? <laughs> you gotta do your goodbye. Bye. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>